0: Havoc. Havoc!
1: Redream, havoc.
0: News, interviews, and more.
1: We just reek of Huntsville Havoc Hockey.
0: We're back with another full-size helping of the reek and Havoc podcast. I'm Tim Lambert. I'd like to thank Laura Pitts for her great interview with Rob Derer last week. He's got an appointment with Dominic Procopio, and you'll be able to hear her visit with him and others in the coming week. This time around, we'll feature a conversation I had with the voice you hear for all the contests going on between periods and during timeouts. Of course, that's Freak Daddy, and we were able to catch him, even though he was still ripping and running. He's coming up next. Stay with us. Got something to say? Put it on a t-shirt or hoodie or apron or even an iphone case just go to daddyoscustomtees.com and make it happen look through their selection of ready-made designs or make one of your own check out their special hockey designs too with daddyos custom tees you can truly have it your way look for daddyos custom tees on facebook follow them on twitter or instagram or go online to daddyoscustomtees.com That's D-A-D-D-Y-O-S, custom, T-E-E-S, dot com. Daddy-O's Custom Tees. They've got your back or front. Let's go in the slot. Welcome to our In the Slot segment, where we feature this week's guest, Clay Coleman, the VA voice of the Havoc. I talked with him yesterday, and he tells us what it's like to be Freak Daddy. You know, we have you on Tailgate Talk every week during the hockey season talk about the havoc and you know you drop breadcrumbs here and there about yourself but we've never actually gotten the clay coleman slash freak daddy story Sure. so uh you know as the song goes we're gonna go back
1: No, (laughs) go back in time. Way back.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now, I I stalked you a little online, and uh, I I saw an article that was on AL.com from, I think it was about nine years ago. And it said you graduated with a degree in broadcast marketing. Now, you know, I've hired a couple of people who were broadcast school graduates and ended up having to retrain them, you know, from how things really worked in broadcasting, but broadcast marketing is a different animal, you know, and I guess where the real money can be.
1: Yeah. You know, it's actually kind of funny how my story is always kind of tied somewhat back to North Alabama. Uh, When I was at college at Western Kentucky university, uh, our college professor had written his own kind of broadcast book and we didn't go by any kind of textbook. It was his book. And he was a huge fan of a radio station in North Alabama known as WDRM, which at the time was owned by Mac Bramlett. Mm -hmm. And at that time, Mac had was doing things in radio that was, especially in the Huntsville market, you know, it had more QM listeners than the three TV stations with WHNT, WAFF, and uh, 31. And DRM was kind of its own floating island. And Mac was very much a broadcaster, but he was extremely Uh sales-oriented. So my my main professor that I had was like, hey, and it was kind of almost like he was foreseeing the future of radio, Uh, In the sense of, yeah, there's going to be people that are personalities that will stand the test of time, but those are unicorns. You know, the people that are going to be left standing that just do a radio show uh, or just, you know, they're they're not going to, there's not going to be that many of those. You're going to need to have the sales side of things. Yeah. And you're also going to have to be able to sell yourself. So that was when the broadcast marketing degree came about because it was more of a yes you have the opportunity to be a personality but you're going to have to have sales experience to go with it because you can you know become more valuable uh in that way and i'm glad i had it because technically you know in the 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 main deal of just a radio personality um you either be got to be really really good or (laughs) you're going to be volunteering a lot of your time and not getting (laughs) paid the big bucks to do it so um I kind of had to transition my career over the years to try to, to do that. And like I said, it was, it, I made more money for myself that way because I would go and, you know, a lot of times I'm selling the the radio station or, or that, but I really was selling my show and I was selling myself. Yeah. Um, I go out, take my, you know, I think I'm a good guy. I think, I think I've got a pretty decent personality and I was just, I would sell myself yeah. and and the people that buy a show, they would, they would get to know me, they like me, they trust me, and then you know, then I'm actually making more more money for myself, which yeah. uh, was a good thing. Well
0: now, did you did you get into radio before you went to school or did did, did college get you interested in radio or is it just something you were interested in and then
1: just took took classes? You know, I was an old soul in the sense of my father was a massive AM talk and sports talk fan. Um, I grew up in just outside of Louisville and it's a town called Shelbyville, Kentucky. Mm -hmm. And there was the big, you know, 84 WHAS out of Louisville that had all the, the talk guys on it. And my dad was really good friends with a guy that also worked for the Courier Journal by the name of Byron Crawford. Um, And so we listened When I had spare time, if I was going to hang out with my father, I needed to listen to talk radio because he was listening. to. There's a guy, I think he's still at WHS now, uh, Terry Miners. Uh, there was a guy named Joe Elliott that was uh, a guy that was blind that had his own radio show, um, and I just became a fan. And, of course, being a Kentucky fan, uh, I was a huge fan of K. Wood Ledford because that's how we listened. At my house... You know, I'm pretty sure it's similar to Alabama. That you know, we didn't watch television; we'd watch it on TV, but we would listen to Kaywood on the radio to call all the Kentucky basketball games. So that was kind of my hopes. Now, I went to school first at Murray State University with uh, hopes of playing football and 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 going that route. And things did not work out in that area, so I transferred to Western. And since I didn't have the football side of things, I thought, well, maybe I can try this this radio thing um, and, you know, was able to get in there. Western was, I don't know if it still is now, but at that time it was the number one broadcast journalism school in the country because of their newspaper, television, and radio access. And they were really good at, at, you know, getting you doing a shift on the campus radio station and, 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 and so many different things. So I just, was instantly thrown into having my own radio show at a, you know a two-hour time slot during the week at the campus and to me that was the greatest thing I would ever experienced in my life you know and then um, my junior year I was able to do the full western Kentucky basketball broadcast for the campus radio station which that was like you know, the coolest thing on the planet, um, to be able to do that. Um, so that was fun. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, always was a fan of radio and once I got the bug, I mean, I think any of us that have done any kind of media, um, there's a, you know, maybe a little adrenaline boost, maybe a little ego boost that just, you know, feels good. And then when you really get to find out, you know, the good things that you can actually accomplish with media, um it just was a good thing, you know, so I really you know, grasped onto it. You know, when I was in college, I became a Christian, um and started working my first radio job was at a Christian radio station uh in Bowling Green, Kentucky and was working there and then went, you know, from there uh went to Nashville after I graduated from college and went to work for uh this small um nationally syndicated radio show host Dave Ramsey that uh <laughs> <laughs> that turned into you know really big things and uh worked with him for about three years that it just it was just really cool like radio was you know my dad always teased me he was like you're not even really working you're just playing uh, but it did i mean I was, i've always said it it's fun to fun to play radio and and, uh, and you know just the career has bounced around i don't know if you want me to you know go into that continue on the process of where i went from from that time, but it was Dave Ramsey that I went to work for um, talk radio station, talk sports, talk in uh, Phoenix, Arizona for three years, and then um, my parents were going through some health issues back in Kentucky, and my brother uh, was not able to kind of help them, so uh, I moved back to Lexington, Kentucky um, to work for Cumulus Broadcasting in Lexington. Uh, and then from there, there was a a headhunter that had reached out to um, my boss at the time with Cumulus. That was there was a small radio station in Athens, Alabama, that was getting purchased by Cumulus, and that was Athens Broadcasting with uh, Mr. Dunivant's stations. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had just said we wanted some people that have worked inside of Cumulus this was me. I got reached out by what the time was STG media, which is now rocket city broadcasting, which is rocket and 95.1 star 99.1. Uh, but they were just needing somebody that, that understood how cumulus operated. Um, so I had no idea about Huntsville, Alabama, but I was single and, um, kind of just enjoyed moving and, and following radio and ended up, uh, in Huntsville and kind of had my own little travel through there. But yeah, it was, uh, been, been since in Huntsville, that was May of, uh, 2003.
0: When I, I saw where you were a program director, uh, at the rocket, where were you program director for, for all those stations there or just the rocket?
1: No, just, just the, the rocket. I came in as a promotion, uh, sales. And then I was the promotions director for, uh, star and rocket and then once um jimbo wood who was the he's actually back now at rocket but he was the program director he went and moved to birmingham and then i was able to be the program director uh, for the rocket which uh-huh. was really fun i mean it was it was a neat neat uh, neat deal with that but uh like i said it was I, I think i had more chance making more money in the sales side so uh, when things didn't work out at the rocket and then i went to work for uh clear channel or iheart radio um i went to work just doing my own show and then doing sales for for, uh, for them and went to work on wtak and was there you know it was going good but corporate radio is uh not as fun no. you know it just got, it got, it got got too many rules and you know i just i enjoyed having the the flexibility of doing a show and, uh, they just got to where, you know, don't talk any more than 30 seconds and, uh, make sure you go on and, and, and plug the iHeartRadio app, you know, four times during your show, which was, I didn't understand. Cause I was like, Hey, I get bonuses for my show doing really well. Why in the world would I ever tell people that, you know, Hey, you're listening to me, but Uh, If you don't like what you're listening to, you can listen to 800 other radio stations. You know, I mean, it it, it defeated the purpose. I got so angry at that. Um, And uh, so it just got to the point. I just, I don't know, just kind of saw the writing on the wall. Um, You know, all radio personalities, I think, have somewhat of an ego. But, you know, at this time, I've, you know, gotten my my two boys. Um, I'm seeing more, you know, I got to be more of a family guy and got to think for the future and eventually someday there's going to be college and things that i'm going to have to come up with so that was uh then when i made the transition to the havoc Uh,
0: and that was going to be what i was going to lead into how did you get involved with the huntsville havoc
1: so i had um back i'm trying to think it's always it was the third season i think there was a i guess a survey that was done by Keith Jeffries and the ownership group of the Havoc, the management group of the Havoc, and at that time, um, Mojo from WZYP was the on-ice announcer, uh, and then there was somebody else. I think his name's Mike Brown. I think he's like a producer for Channel 48. He was the 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 voice at the time, and I was just doing the the nighttime stuff with the Rocket at the time. Back, you know um uh, with that this was you know before when i was still working at rocket and mm. um and they just said hey would you like to to be the in arena announcer and i mean i i knew a little bit about hockey i'd been, but i mean i was clueless as far as you know playing. plane i'm still you know almost 18 years this year in and i'm still clueless about a lot of <laughs> stuff that 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 goes on but um so I just started doing the announcing and then I became good friends with Ashley Balch who was the vice president at the time. And then Kevin Walker, who was the president at the time. And um, we, you know, Kevin and I and Ashley were just talking and I was just trying to figure out ways, you know, how am I going to move forward? Cause I did see the writing on the wall that, you know, I'm never going to make more than, you know, a certain amount of money and I'm going to have to, to do better. And that's when they said, well, would you think, what would you think about, you know, coming and doing the hockey thing and i was like man i have no idea but you know i know you guys it seems fun i enjoy it so sure let's go and that's when <laughs> i you know left radio for <clears throat> for that time and uh became the uh basically the you know marketing and sales you know account executive for the havoc um which was you know scary but uh wasn't that much different than radio once i got in because you know with radio you're always having to come up with promotions you're always having to come up with you know commercials and things like that so it kind of parlayed similar in the sense Uh especially the direction the havoc started going where it was more of a production so it was kind of a lot similar to a radio station in a sense um you always had to come up with the creative concepts and games and who you're going to invite or you know different promotions so um that was fun. And, you know, we really had a really good run there at the beginning because we, we were able between me and, and Kevin and Ashley were able to increase the, the corporate sponsorships for the Havoc, you know, significantly. Um, and then, um, Kevin Walker uh, ended up not being the president of the team anymore and moved on to something else. And so Ashley Balch moved into the president role. And then that's when they came to me and said, well, would you like to be the vice president? I was like, Oh, well, this is cool. You know, like I've got a title, you know, like, which, you know, the title meant really nothing except people actually answered my phone calls after that. You know, because you, when you're an account executive, they don't want to answer the phone call because you're just a salesman. But, yeah. You know, if you're the vice president. It's, it's something special. So, uh, but uh, yeah, it was, you know, really cool how that all kind of parlayed and it came, you know, Right at the right time, for sure.
0: Well, I knew that, uh, you know, you had to wear several hats there uh, at the Havoc, and, and and you mentioned some of the promotions. How how many of the things that we see going on during the games have been ideas of yours?
1: Uh, I would say, I mean, the Charles Pittman puck out of play, um, that is now the Petro, Mark Petro puck out of play. Uh-huh. Uh, that was one of my ideas and parlaying, uh, you know, from Charles being a, a radio sponsor uh, into that, um, you know, it was really weird. Like we, at that time when we were coming up with, when Ashley was the president and there was myself and Glenn DeTulio was the coach had come in at that time. And um, Jordy, Jordan Little was the assistant coach. We and Keith, it was very integral and in all that. I mean, we had probably the the most close knit team at that time, and everything we did, um, we sat around and it was kind of funny. We still talk about it. We would sit around and uh, on different days and watch TV, but then we would get around the round table after that after watching. I mean, we'd watch Maury or we'd watch Tosh .point or weird things, you know. Yeah, but But after that was done Then we would just sit and start You know Talking and and networking And and just coming up And it Those were some of the most creative Ideas That you know It was really more of a collective I can't take full credit For For really one single thing That we did Um, It was just We were having fun Yeah You know And the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Night I mean that was probably I think of all the The things that i was a part of that was probably the most fun that i had i mean it was keith and ashley didn't shoot down many ideas and he was wanting us to come up with um there's a guy um the spolstra family that you know owns the miami or the works with the miami heat and then um steve delay they had these um kind of sales stuff that worked for minor league baseball. And and we kind of went through some of their training and it focused on, you know, a lot of times as a minor league sports team, you're trying to, you know, come up with something to where everybody comes and every night you're doing something. Well, we got to the point to where no matter what we did, no matter how much advertising that we spent a Tuesday night was going to be a Tuesday night. And, you know, even if we brought, Nick Sabin up. <laughs> it was still going to be, you know, uh, you could almost predict how many people were going to be there on a Tuesday. Yeah. Um, so the main thing was we went that first year, and I can't remember the exact year that we did it, but um, we just said, hey, let's focus on the Saturdays and really, you know, and, and there'd only been one night that had even sold out with the havoc during that time, and that was military night. And you're giving away a lot of tickets anyways on that night. So it really technically wasn't a sellout. You just couldn't buy any more tickets. Yeah. Um, So we started planning out, you know, how do we um, come up with nights that are crazy and fun. And then um, at this time we added Justin Strickland, who is now the uh, team president um, of the Havoc. But Justin just came in as our, video guy, social media guy, um, and he was just, he and I worked really, really well together because I didn't have the the technical stuff to do the cool commercials and things, but he could take the ideas and, and bring them to life, so it was really a, a neat time, and like I said, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle night was literally me going on, Googling um, and searching for Ninja Turtle costumes at Comic-Cons. Because uh, that was the, I thought, I want the real costumes. Yeah. I want good costumes. And we stumbled on this guy um, out of California. And I looked at his page, and I, I instantly shared it with Ashley and Justin. And I was like, look. I was like, this is the 1980s movie costumes. These are legit. And it turned out it was the guy that actually designed and made the costume. Yeah. Uh. And we're like, well, okay, let's just call him. And they were all just, we're like, well, there's no way some guy who's in California. Well, he called me back instantly and said, what are you thinking about? And I'm like, well, I want your, I want, you know, the four turtles at one of our hockey games. And he's like, well, I don't, you know, do you have actors? And I'm like, we'll find somebody, you know, we can put somebody (laughs) in the suits or whatever. Yeah. And then he was like, well, I think I've got a deal. And he threw out a number, and it was very affordable, airfare at a price. And then he said, but I need one more thing, and it's a done deal. And I was like, what's that? And he's like, me and my kid want to go to space camp. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> done. I said, I will make this happen. You know. <laughs> so we ended up having him fly out. We did the promotions. Uh, it was a huge sellout night. I think we sold – it was some ridiculous, I don't want to quote the exact number, but it was you know thousands and thousands of pizza slices that we did for Domino's for a dollar piece. and that kind of started this trend of hey we we sold out two Saturdays, three Saturdays this season, and then the next season it was we did seven, and then that's when we started breaking started breaking the attendance records, but that was our thing and then when we then when we got our Saturdays where they were selling out, then it was like, well, let's start doing some of the Fridays, and we did the um, we did the Fox Fifty Four Fantastic Fridays, where we would have you know the different dress up like a superhero or you know all of those nights. And then we got to where there was one or two of those Friday nights that you know didn't sell out, but came pretty close. Um, so I mean, it was, but it was a big. I mean, it was really like a think tank. Like we were really just having so much fun and no idea like we did wiener dog races and the hansen brothers from Slapshot in one night i mean it was literally we were killing ourselves because it was like we would create just insane workloads yeah. because we'd like because i'd be like well i'm on the ice i don't know how to do this and you know ashley'd be like well gosh we'll figure it out you know we get interns and i mean it was literally a lot of the stuff that that happened was um we were just you know a lot of times we get done with things and we're like, whew, I'm glad that, you know, (laughs) that worked out. But like I said, we just, our brains were just thinking on a different level. I mean, I think one time there was a a game where we were going to, it was going to be completely bad weather and we were sitting around the table and we're like, what are we going to do? We're going to just completely lose our butts on this one. And I think one of us, we had a friend of ours, actually, she just passed away. Um, last week Kelly Nielsen who was a purity rep and Kelly was a huge Havoc fan and I called Kelly and I was like can we get like some free milk to give away and then we reached out to one of these little you know I can't think I think it was Publix or whatever we end up getting bread so we did free bread <laughs> and milk to everyone you know I mean it was just stupid ideas you know but people talked about them I mean I think we ended up getting like Close to a thousand people that game, which we would never have probably got more than two hundred because it just seemed like the city had shut down. <laughs> uh, but I mean, it was just that kind of stuff that that came about. That was just so much fun.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you were talking about that kind of bad. I was thinking like rain, tornadoes. But uh once you mentioned the milk, I was like, okay, now I know what kind
1: of bad yeah, no, was straight storm. up straight up ice storm. I, I think I can't remember. I mean, the city had shut down, but we were laughing like. People were calling, and saying, "Is the game canceled?" I'm like, "We play on ice. Like, why are we? Why are we going to be canceled? You know, uh, our guys are going to get here. Hockey players are going to find a way." Yeah, um,
0: you know, a lot of folks see you see you on the uh, video board doing all the games and the contests, and um, but you know, I guess very few realize how orchestrated it has to be to to pull off some of that stuff and and make it not look orchestrated. Um, what are some of the things that people just don't realize that are maybe, I don't know, maybe somewhat of a
1: headache to make Yeah, happen? I mean, yeah, I mean, the one thing that, you know, I would say the one thing that there is a certain level, gosh, let's get behind the curtain here a little bit, <laughs> um, kind of a, what I call, you know, movie magic, mm-hmm. that there is this allure that the Havoc are as big as the Nashville Predators to some people. I mean, there are some people that haven't been to a Predators game, so this Uh, is their pro sport, you know. So um, they don't probably realize the amount of risk and money sometimes it takes. I mean, those early gambles where we would be like, okay, we're going to do this bobblehead night and didn't find a sponsor or you know, did something or come up with ways to, you know, do do different promotions. I mean, it's that stuff is hard and you're working on the paid staff is maybe five people and the rest you're worried about. You know, you're working with volunteers. Now in the early days we had to build it all because, you know, if some people at least have run this area, the the VBC C didn't have a, a Jumbotron. You know, so you had the little horrible, it looked like a light, bright dot matrix type <laughs> machine, you know, yeah. um, it's almost like we forget, you know, what that was. Uh, uh, but then once we were able to get the the board, then it was just, okay, well, we just got somebody that's kind of running graphics. Uh, we didn't have video cameras. And then it was that video cameras. And then, you know, I give Justin Strickland, you know, a lot of credit because he, he was a video guy, and so he researched and found all the things. But I think yeah, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, there's just on the game day staff, um, you know, for me, it was always hard because I would have an earpiece in my ear, and I was the one putting together the game day script. So I was literally a roaming director of – this is what we're going to next. Don't do this, switch to this. Um, that began to get a little bit too much. And then when we added the video and, uh, instant replay, I mean, there's literally like a director inside that little production room at the VBC. And there's, you know, two roaming or see one roaming camera. No, now there's two roaming cameras and two stationers or four cameras. Um, that are running and the switcher and somebody's running the music. Someone's running the lights. Someone's, I mean, it's, it's a production. I mean, it's, and we take it very seriously. You know, the the guys there, I mean, they're, they're doing, I think that's just the majority of it. There's a lot of work that goes into getting the videos and getting the little, um, just neat little one minute snippets of the players doing something silly. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it takes, yeah, it's, it's, it's a it's a lot of planning. Um, you know, the charity nights and things like that. It's, yeah, it's, a it's an undertaking and, and it's not a big budget and there's <laughs> your, a small crew doing a, I think right now they've got definitely the biggest staff that, you know, they've ever had. But I mean, for me, it, when we were back there, it was, you know, even Glenn and Jordy who were the coaches were, helping <laughs> oh wow stuff. because you know yeah they're coaching but we need your help doing other things and ideas and y'all are gonna have to sell some sponsorships or go talk to people I mean it was kind of all hands on deck uh, but yeah I think that's the the main thing is there' just a, there's a lot of a lot of moving parts to get you know on a game day people always, always ask me you know well, what time do you got to be there and I'm like you know back when I was working full-time for the team it's like uh, ten o'clock <laughs> and they're like for an 8 o'clock game or like 7 o'clock game? Like, yeah, you have no idea um, how much, you know, that it takes to get to where uh that it's perfect. Or at least get us to it the best we can. But, I mean, yeah. we always want
0: yeah. to do it the best. Maybe they could have another awful night where you go back to the little light, bright displays.
1: Uh, <laughs> that would be cool. <laughs> that would be really cool, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I wanted – I, I kind of was upset that they did away with the awful because, I mean, I I was, you know – this was the one you could play with you know we did awful and awfuler night and then i mean there was to me there was awfulest and you can go to the the (laughs) most awful night i mean you could literally just extend it every single time and those were those were probably the most fun that i had because you know it takes a lot of work to be bad (laughs) because you want to be so good, you know, and then you're mentally, you're like, well, I can't mess up their name or I can't, you know, how do you want me to be bad? I've worked so hard to do it the best I can, you know. We'll be back with more of the wreaking havoc podcast. I'm John O'Hurley, and I support paralyzed veterans of America because our heroes have sacrificed so much for our independence.
0: While parachuting with my platoon, my parachute didn't open. It left me paralyzed. I just don't think my family would be as happy as they are without the support that I received from Paralyzed Veterans of America.
1: Paralyzed Veterans of America is providing specialized medical care, the jobs they want, and the accessible vehicles and homes they need. To learn more, go to pva.org. Hey, this is Rob and You're listening to the Wreaking Havoc Podcast.
0: I mentioned the uh, the al dot com article earlier, and it quotes you as saying you love being part of the havoc, and it helped your sons think you were cool. So <laughs> now that they're older, do they still think that?
1: Uh, you know, whether or not that one of them will admit it, <laughs> the other Wesley, my young Wagyu, as we call him, uh-huh. the, he he is uh he is still on the wolf pack, and he absolutely, you know thinks I'm the greatest T-Bone or Timothy has gotten, you know, he's 17 and he's uh, a lot cooler. But the funny thing is, is that his buddies still think I'm cool. Uh. So that helps, you know, if they thought I was lame or, uh, but it, the the added factor of, Oh, your dad, your dad's the guy with the Huntsville havoc and he's freak daddy. I mean, it's, uh, that adds a little bit, uh, to it, but no, it's, that's been, I think, one of the reasons I've stayed the longest is it's, you know, I'm just common like anybody else. It's expensive to go to the games and do things and stuff like that. So they got to reap the benefits of uh, dad working for the hockey team to get to go to all the games and that stuff. So, yeah, it's uh, I guess I'm still a little, I guess they think I'm cool a little bit, but a lot of times now it's their, their friends that are persuade it more than yeah. others.
0: <laughs> oh well, that kind of peer pressure could be good. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, now what's the most fun part of being freak daddy at the games?
1: Uh, you know, and this this may sound uh, cheesy in a sense, but I think that even when I was doing radio, um, I saw it as a I don't want to say a calling because it's not like a youth minister or a pastor type kind of thing. But, you know, there is a, to me, when you're doing that, there's a responsibility to help people help them have a good time. And I mean, just going out to the fans, I mean, the, the, the hockey world helped my radio career more than anything that I ever did um, because it got me out, you know, to be tangible and, they can come up and give me a high five or give me a hug or whatever out in public. But, you know, I really, to see people have a good time and to feel like that you have a part of that. I love it. I mean, to me, uh, same way when I had a radio show, you know, to hear someone say they've taken, you know, four hours out of their day to listen to you or you're at a hockey game and they're there. I mean, to be able to facilitate someone else's escape is fun to me. Yeah. You know, and, and, and there really, you know, the thing that I love most as I'm getting older, and I appreciate it more, um, I think, because as you just, you grow up, um, the charitable stuff that we do with the Havoc and things that have happened with the Havoc is some of the most rewarding stuff for me. Like my, my jerseys, you know, uh, we auction those off and they go to a special needs program called World of Work, which helps the county schools or, or you know, all the county schools in Madison County. And, you know, it just had a situation where we ran into them and they, they talked about, you know, there was three teachers at the time that um, they were responsible for the kids with special needs. And this program was like set up to where the kids that their handicaps were not so debilitating that they couldn't get a job after school. So it was almost kind of like a co-op and these kids could go to, you know, they were, they were able still able to cook and they were able to clean, they were able to function and have a job. So, but they had these teachers, there was three teachers and they only got $300 a piece for the whole school year. Oh, wow. And I was like, so I went to Keith and I was like, Keith, you know, is it going to be, a big problem for my jerseys to go to this charity. And he was like, I don't see why not. And um we were able the first year we were able to get because I got some people to match my jerseys. So uh my jerseys went for about six thousand dollars that year. So we were able to give twelve thousand dollars to these teachers. And it was just like yeah how cool you know how cool is this yeah uh, you know and, and, and just like I said all the charities I figured up the other day that just I don't have exact every single dollar amount for my jersey but we just did a ballpark you know with an average of probably anywhere from 600 to 700 per game um, with all the jerseys it worked out like almost like 260,000 dollars oh wow just my, just my jersey which to me was like that's insane <laughs> you know but how cool and and like i said i could tell you stories of you know different families the saint jude nights the the melissa george nights to where i loved being able to get out with these families and get to know them and hear their stories and similar to like a radio career you know where it's like i'm getting to know these people and you know um the, the one you know they were Awesome stories to the point of you know uh, like Reese Carroll, which is a little boy that uh, he um, was a NICU baby, and uh, I remember being in the NICU and his dad and them being there. I asked one of the nurses at the NICU. It was one, it really hit me the hardest because I was like, so I'd never really been up on a, a tour of the NICU with the with the hockey players, but I went this time and Reese Carroll was in the NICU, and I I just asked the nurse, I was like, so what what kind of chance does he have? And they were like 50-50. And I was like, it blew me away. Um. And then he made it out. He's actually skated out, you know, on the, one of the nights with the Havoc. He plays hockey and all the youth hockey stuff now, so I've gotten to know their family. And, um, just neat stories like that, but then the flip side, we had a St. Jude night to where Uh, a young girl, Sydney Cunningham, that Mm. um, the 12-year-old girl comes in for a night with the paint with the Havoc. Uh, She painted with Tyler Piacentini. She was so excited that she was going to, you know, a young African-American girl had never been to a hockey game. She was going to get to walk out. Um, Seemed like everything was okay. And then, you know, the night of the St. Jude night, she died. Yeah, I remember And, you know, it was it was one of another one that just, man, it just crushed us because it was just, you know, we got connected with his family, but then, you know, the next year we brought uh, the whole Cunningham family back and, and it was, you know, Tamisha, the, the mom, she still to this day says that she's angry at me for that night because, you know, Sydney had wanted to walk out on a red carpet. And I said, well, we, we only have a black carpet. And she said, well, when I walk out, you better have a red carpet. I mean, she was funny. (laughs) And, uh, so that night that we had Tamisha and Eric and their two other daughters uh, we had a red carpet uh-huh. and, and, then, and then we gave them a jersey with Sydney's name on it and I mean they, she bawled like a a baby and she's like I hate you, <laughs> you know, but I'm still friends with them actually uh, Eric just came to work with my the company I worked for during the day uh, just came to work for us so I'm working with him now so it's just neat you know those things were you can't you know I can't put it into words about those opportunities, and, and, and that's what I, you know, working with the Havoc now. It's those are, that's what I live for now. When mm-hmm. I'm out there, it's not the money, it's not anything, it's just connecting with people. And just, uh, I tell Keith all the time, you know, it's the, the Havoc is a hockey team, but it's really this massive nonprofit, you know, give back to the community right. kind of organization.
0: So you talked about all the moving parts and, and, and the promotions and everything. How how privy are you to the to the new things or or changes that may be coming for the next season, or or do you show up before the first game and say, "Here's what you got to do," and uh, "Here's what we're doing." <laughs>
1: um, you know that that is probably one of if there is a uh, thing that I don't like as much now <laughs> is I don't get. Uh, I guess I could. It's just, you know, not working full time. I don't have the time to be able to go and and be a part. I mean, I don't think they would tell me that I couldn't come to any of their planning meetings or whatever. But now I really hear that. Like last this past year was probably one of the most challenging for me because it was, you know, I would read about it. Oh, this week's this night, you know, and like the night of the Nickelodeon night. They're like, oh, you're getting slimed. (laughs) and i'm like (laughs) like, thanks for asking uh you know but uh but i guess some of that's kind of cool too it's like there's a little bit of an unexpected element to it but uh i mean i'm sure if i were to go in and say hey guys i want to be more of a part i think that that i could but yeah it's uh the new guys are in there and that's a little hard too because i'm very protective and i I have to have to guard myself sometimes because i do i mean i've been with the team for now this is 18 years and and if there's something that doesn't happen the way that uh that i think (laughs) i usually voice my opinion but i'm not you know i'm not full-time with the team anymore so i got to be careful and let them you know do their things and as i get older i feel like i'm turning into the get off my porch kind of (laughs) guy uh (laughs) Because they the young guys do something, I'm like that just doesn't work, you know. They're like, well, you're old. So I'm like, hey, well, wait a minute. I'm not that old, but but I'm experienced. So no, I I mean there was things where you know I I can honestly say going back in that I remember the first year that and it was Justin and I give him full credit. He was we were spending a lot of money on billboards and uh, mailers and TV commercials and radio commercials. And Justin was like, I want to swap it. I want to go and do 80% on social media and 20% on traditional. And I thought that's, that's a death sentence. If, 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 if we, if it fails, we're in trouble. Yeah. Uh, but we did it, you know, and and the team thrived with, you know, doing a lot of the, you know, we still did the radio, uh, didn't do TV, um as much. But uh it was mainly Facebook ads and Google ads and you know, going in that world and I said I I thought it would flop and I was I had to go to Justin at the end of that that first year we did that and say, Hey man, I'm absolutely sorry <laughs> I doubted <laughs> you on that, but well done, you know.
0: Um well now speaking of next season, I I've I've got a fan question here and and I've mentioned this before But uh, they were wondering, will the sound system be any better next season?
1: (laughs) We have been told yes. Okay. Um, There is, I guess, the Von Braun Center has some upgrades. Um, And I think that the reason that they did not, it was kind of mid-season that it got really, really bad. Um, And I don't think they were willing to or wanting to just rip out everything um, mid-season. Yeah, and so we kind of limped along. But I've I've been told there's a you know a pretty pretty hefty, pretty expensive sound system that is that is coming into the Von Braun Center, and it's supposed to be up this year.
0: Okay, well, yeah, I figured it was more of a VBC thing, and you know, not really anything the Havoc had control over. But right, and and I I can remember at times during this season, you know, I I sit up on that upper level watching the games, and there were times after a goal. I didn't, you know, they always play the the rock and roll part two, you know, after the score, after the Havoc scores, anyway. Um, and I didn't know where in the song we were until I heard some of the crowd go, hey, you know. Um, right. <laughs> so I was like, okay. So I kind of had to sing it in my head, you know, in order to, to be with the rest of the
1: crowd. Yeah, I think the, I think the Von Braun Center had, you know, it was one of these things where, you know, allocating the funds and, and that North Hall project and Mars Music Hall and Rhythm on Monroe uh, got a lot of the love there. Um, and it was kind of, I think they looked at it like a, uh, and I guess, you know, for those of us that, you know, you probably more so even than me, um, the in 2005, 2006, the VBC looked tremendously different. Yeah. Uh you know, and, and the upgrades into the Propes Arena, all the new seats on the lower level, you know, all new uh the dasher boards and the glass are all new. Um the locker room, you know, a lot of upgrades, the Bud Light Cafe, you know, um I think from the V B C standpoint it was you know, the hockey, football, whatever that area there had already gotten a lot of love, the Jumbotron, the Ribbons, all of that stuff. Um, I think they were feeling like they had needed to shift the wealth to, like I said, like Mars Music Hall, like North Hall's getting a complete uh, renovation, the parking area front. I mean, so I I think it's just kind of it's time now to come back and help with the sound system. So yeah, I think that it'll be be up and running this year for sure.
0: Okay. Well, before I let you go here, I've come to the part of the segment I'm going to start calling our our puck out of play questions. You know, those (laughs) questions that are just out there, you know. Okay. And, and of course, this this interview here is really, I guess, different than what it will be with some of the players, you know, because, you know, you're not – you're not a player. I mean, you're, you're in, involved with the games, but there are so many other things <laughs> that have, you know, kind of gone on too. But um, anyway, uh, I, I, I've come up with five freaky fun facts we need okay. to, to get from you. So, number one, you get a choice here. Okay. You're uh, a TV show that you never get tired of watching, or maybe what you're streaming or binging on right now.
1: Streaming or binging on right now. Hmm, I would say TV show that I could never get enough of would be the Andy Griffith show. I kind of knew you um, were going to say that. Um, uh, <laughs> but black and white, not color. Oh, I yeah, I don't go with the color. So mm-hmm. I'll do that. Um, and I can I can answer the other side too. Binging right now. I'm actually going back with my oldest son, and we're watching The Walking Dead from the beginning. <laughs> oh, see, I've got to get I've got to get caught up on that myself. Yeah, yeah. He wanted to watch it, and he's watching it. He keeps asking me questions, and I'm my memory's not as good as it used to be. So I'm like, okay, let's just I'll just watch it with you. Let's just go back and watch all eleven seasons again.
0: Yeah, I've, I'm two seasons behind here, so I've I've still got to finish. <laughs> everything out and and that show after a while it, it it's kind of like bluegrass music it all kind of starts looking the same
1: <laughs> right no well i told i told my son that you know if you remember when you're watching it live right after there was a show called the talking bed yeah that yeah. was kind of a comedic kind of you know almost like a, a podcast type kind of live show that showed stuff and it kind of broke it up and made it a little lighthearted, you yeah. know, because yeah. the show is kind of dark. So like I, and I have to realize as I'm watching it now, I'm like, "Gosh, I miss the jokes!" Like, <laughs> where were the jokes? I just don't see, killing all the time. <laughs> no, it's
0: not. Okay, number two, favorite movie.
1: Let's see, because I've got like,
0: or again, maybe one that you don't get tired of watching.
1: Um, I would say. Let me give you, I'll give you three. Okay. Because there are three, I have like a top five that I always, always like, but uh, it would go number one, Hoosiers. Uh-huh. Um, Number two, Rudy. Okay. And number three, Tombstone. Okay. No. Huckleberry. So those are my, yeah, Huckleberry and... The, the sports movies and the the feel good movies, but that were that's my uh my go to's like I literally watch, you know, Hoosiers, Rudy, uh probably once a month. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I love I love those movies. Um so. All right.
0: Favorite singer or band?
1: Favorite singer or band. Uh I will do the same thing on that one. There's three go to's. Okay. And actually I watch uh I'll date myself a little bit. I watch, actually, I have three DVD concerts that is the same thing that I will watch. There is number one, uh, Eagles Farewell Tour number one. Um, so the Eagles would be the, the probably the number one group. Uh, number two, Eric Clapton. And number three, ZZ Top. Okay. And I have so I have an Eric Clapton DVD that I always watch and then a concert. And then I watch the the latest ZZ top, uh, Texas, uh, live from Texas. And then maybe I like, I like Hall and Oates too. Oh, yeah. There's something, I, I'm definitely more old school, even though with my radio career, I had a lot of the, the newer stuff, but, uh, I like, I like music that I can set and, you know, chill and drink a good bourbon with and and relax. Yeah. <laughs> I don't my life is my life is stressful <laughs> enough. I mean yeah, ZZ Top is about as intense as I get. Oh
0: ho oh, oh. ho <laughs> Um Okay, favorite food or book? I don't know if you're much well, of I'm, a reader gonna, or not.
1: Audio I know. Um let's see the um I would say Food is chicken and dumplings. <clears throat> so that's mm-hmm. uh, the favorite food. Um, books, I'm usually kind of, um, I, I do, I, I read, or I'll definitely do the audiobook thing where I'm, when I'm in the car. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm doing that. Um, two, the two books that I've read in the last, you know, that has been my favorites in, over the last several years is a book called Contagious. That was a uh, how things go viral, which I've used it, you know, for a lot of marketing and stuff and actually helped a lot with um, the havoc uh, when we did that. And I I always I'm so bad. I always forget the author's names. But if you look up contagious, you'll be able to get that one. Uh, And then there's a book that actually me and T-Bone, my oldest son, have been uh, just finished reading together. Um, And I said, I always forget the names as I'm sitting here. Uh, But the book's called Burn the Boats. Okay. And it's, uh, the guy was on shark tank. Gosh, his name's is completely killing me. And he was also like a management guy for the New York jets. But, um, his whole thing is that, you know, we, we live life too many times with plan B in mind. Uh, so it went back to the whole uh, Spanish armada and Cortez. When he pulled up on the, the, the land, he burned the boats because there was, you know, they weren't going home. They had to win. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a really good book of, you know, plan B kind of works itself out. You know, you need to be planning for plan A, and hopefully that happens because, like I said, if you, plan A fails, you're going to have a plan B whether you want it to or not. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, so, but that's been a good a good book. Like I said, I feel bad. I don't, I can't remember the guy's name. As soon as we get done with this, I'll exactly maybe I'll probably text it. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: and speaking of audiobooks, just kind of as an aside, uh, our listeners can hear this podcast on Audible. Just, oh, cool. just so y'all know. Um, okay, last question: Where did okay. Freak Daddy come from? I mean,
1: the <laughs> nickname. The nickname. Okay. Well, I can give you. It's a. Uh, uh, there's two stories, but only one story I'll share here. Because <laughs> <laughs> okay. there is probably uh, the, the the story that I probably don't want to share the most. There is a little, oh, well. a little bad part of it but we won't share that <laughs> side of it but
0: now everybody's uh, imaginations are going wild
1: well. right right and some <laughs> of my friends know um, so my favorite radio show uh, as far as music when I was growing up in Lexington Kentucky there was a show called Freak Daddy and Sticky <laughs> okay. uh, and they were a morning show it was a morning show on Z rock 103.3 and out of Lexington and so when I came to Huntsville, Um, Well, take that back. I was in college. My professor had said, you need to have a radio name that people remember. You either got to have one of those cool Casey Kasem things where it'll be so unique of a name. that you're and you're so good. They'll remember you. Or it's got to be a name that when they hear it, they automatically it automatically generates questions like you're asking right now. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So Freak Daddy was always a fun thing. But I, in college, I never, I'm kind of like I am now, really. I mean, you know, a lot of people, once they get to know me, they're like, there's nothing freaky about this guy at all. He's not, (laughs) he doesn't have tattoos. He's not, you know, got earrings and nose rings, any of that kind of stuff. So there's where a little bit of the story in college came from that I will not share, (laughs) but I earned the name Freak Daddy a little bit in college. So that's as as far as I go. Um, But When I moved and became a Christian, and um, then went to work for Dave Ramsey, and then went out to Phoenix with the radio talk show, it was always Clay Coleman. Or my middle name is Sanders; that's my mom's maiden name. So when I was out in Phoenix, they kind of played with my southern accent and being from Kentucky. So they actually called me the Colonel because they did Clay Sanders to play off the Kentucky thing. Uh, Oh, okay. When that was my sports name, the Colonel Clay Sanders. Um, Well, then, (laughs) yeah. So when I came to. Huntsville um we I went to work for the Rocket and I was the promotions director and one easy way for um radio stations to make money especially rock radio stations would be to have someone that could be doing the remotes inside the bars you know other establishments and things like that and the Rocket didn't have anybody Jimbo Wood was there but Jimbo was like he was done with all of the bar type stuff. So he was like, he wanted to be in bed by eight o'clock and he was, you know, he was done with it. So there was nobody. uh, Our nighttime DJ was a kid named Chase Shelton, who his dad was the owner of STG media at the time. And Chase was 16 years old. So he couldn't go in the bars. So they ended up creating, um, they wanted me to do it. And I said, well, I can go with, you know, my college name, and so we went with freak daddy and it was just like, it stuck. I mean, we did fun promotions and things like that. So, but it always, my, I go back to the college professor that just said, you know, you want to have something where they remember you, they smile, it leaves them with questions. You know, when you're in the radio world and you're needing to to write a a name down in a diary, you want to be able to remember it. Um, so that was the one that you know kind of stuck and and it, and it kind of forces people to get to know you a little bit too so I think once people got to know me they're like yeah I like the name but you know there's nothing freaky about you you're just <laughs> a good guy and a dad and, and stuff like that so but yeah, yeah it's that's uh, kind of where it's been and it's kind of stuck I, if I run for mayor one day I'm hoping I can still write in Freak Daddy is the, on, on the ballot but we'll see
0: <laughs>
1: Mayor Freak Daddy there we go yeah <laughs>
0: Well, I I appreciate you taking your time. Um, I didn't think it was going to last this long, but it sure enough
1: did. Yeah, um, I've, I've been I've had a gift of gab. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> but thank but thank you. And, and like I said, I think what you're doing is uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of a little bit jealous in the sense because I always wanted to do something uh, with the havoc at this kind of format, but I just didn't uh, never had the uh, I guess the uh, ability or the technology side of things to make it happen and, and i think what you're doing is really good and i think there's some huge potential in what you're doing to, to to get deeper into you know the havoc organization and you know current players future you know the the former players uh you know and, and let people behind the scenes because i think that uh, that's one area that, that missed over the years i think there's a lot of stories because you know we didn't get tv exposure you didn't get radio exposure except a commercial you know um so i think you've got a a wealth of information and and stuff to pull from with this show so i wish you the best of luck and uh, maybe one day i can be one of the reekers well well, you know what
0: you know i was gonna say (laughs) i I mean i'm gonna welcome any contribution that you feel like you want to give because with your background and you know radio background Havoc background. I mean, you know, connections.
1: I do know. Uh, I do know where a lot of the bodies uh, in the Havoc world are buried, for sure. I've, <laughs> I've seen. I've seen and uh, watched the uh, transformation of. You know, I remember coming in with the Havoc at first, and you know, John Gibson was the first coach of the Havoc, and, and Gibby's a great guy, but Gibby was a, Gibby was is currently a partier, <laughs> so <laughs> the vibe of the Havoc was. Let's you know. I think he had the thing. If we if we win, we drink. If we booze, if we lose, we booze. Kind of <laughs> thing. Uh, I mean, it was always a drink fest with with Gibby. Oh, wow. and then uh, yeah, and then uh, you know as they moved on, there was a couple coaches, uh, Coach Solstice and Coach Murphy um, mm-hmm. that were there, and um, Coach Murphy, you know, won the one championship back in twenty ten, uh, but it still had that. Uh, the players had a party type atmosphere and then as Glenn came in and as I think the hockey world changed you know the kids went from drinking beer which they still party and and do that but I mean it, there's you find more Havoc players you know doing protein shakes and watching their figure uh, which before it was you know how many fights can we get into and <laughs> you know what nights do we have to be sober and, and that kind of thing So yeah. um, it's, of it's changed but I mean it's evolved really good and uh, Keith and, and and those guys have done a phenomenal job and i'm I'm so glad that glenn is getting to glenn is getting to stay i mean he's a personal friend of mine and and you know we've been through a lot and but i think that he's he's a class dude you know and and to to see him still stay in the organization it it makes me feel good that you know the 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 heartbeat of the havoc is is going to be strong and and continue to do some things we have a lot of pride in our our side if you talk to anybody from the havoc i mean they they root on the the soccer teams, the baseball teams, but you know, we, we fought really hard to get the havoc where they are. And, you know, you don't get as much love because it's hockey, yeah. <laughs> you know, football, baseball, people understand. Uh, but we're very, we're very jealous of the, uh, of making sure that people know who we are and what we've done, but it's, a, it's a special thing. And there's really nothing that's lasted this long, you know? So I like to say the trash pandas are here and they're the new shiny, shiny gold ring kind of thing in the soccer. But, you know we're the we're the consistent uh, havoc's not going anywhere.
0: Yeah, and you know, folks that you don't have to know anything about hockey to to. I mean these, I go to these games, and the only thing I know for sure is when they score. So right, right. Um, you know, or a puck out of play, you know, but uh, yeah, it's, it's still it doesn't matter. It's it's a fun night anyway. So especially it's, when you geez, win.
1: I, I, it's and it's affordable. Yeah, you yeah. Know, like it's always affordable, and as a as a father of two and as the, uh, the wonderful world of inflation grows and the cost of things go. I mean, I tell people all the time, it's like you enjoy the havoc. and Yeah. The predators are good, but I mean, you're going to have to pay what you have to pay to park for what you probably have in tickets at a havoc game, Mm -hmm. um, you know, versus what you'd have to pay to park at a predators game. So it's a, it's a good value. and, And like I said, there's nothing else going on. It's, uh, giving you that opportunity to, your time when alabama and auburn are done for a little while (laughs) yeah yeah
0: yeah all right well i appreciate the time thank
1: you tim i appreciate it
0: that was clay freak daddy coleman pa voice of the huntsville havoc as i mentioned earlier we've also got an interview with dominic procopio coming up in a future show so check out our facebook page as well as the various group pages for information on that
1: the Reek and havoc podcast There is no easy way in
0: There are no compromises, shortcuts, or excuses There is no backing down, slowing down, or giving up There is no greater challenge and no greater purpose There is no easy way in If there were, it wouldn't be the Marine Corps If you think you have what it takes to earn the title Visit Marines.com or call 1-800-MARINES The few, the proud, the Marines just to look at some more stats from this past season nick latinovich who spent 25 games with huntsville was fifth in the league in wins for goalies in the regular season he totaled 16 wins out of those 25 while posting none after going to macon for four games he was also 11th on the list of top goalies with a 2.722 goals against average max molosic played all five of the havoc's playoff games to end up second in the postseason for both stats with his three wins and 2.10 GAA. In the power play goals department, Rob Darrow was third in the league during the regular season with 10, while Robbie Fisher's six goals put him at the 17th spot. Austin Martinson and Cy Nuskovich each had one during the playoffs, giving them the 10th and 12th slots. Cy was 11th in power play assists during the regular season. Jacob Barber was 20th in the playoffs. We'll pass along more stats in the coming weeks. Here's a reminder, this is the last week to become a full Havoc season ticket holder and get a free Havoc pullover. Go to the Huntsville Havoc Facebook page or online at HuntsvilleHavoc.com. Don't forget about the annual Youth Skills Camp coming up June 19th through 22nd. Kids ages 8 to 14 can learn from coaches Stuart Stephen, and Tyler Piacentini. For more information, go online to HuntsvilleHavoc.com forward slash youth hyphen camp or go to the Huntsville Havoc Facebook page.
1: Download the official Huntsville Havoc app for your iOS or Android device or at HavocRewards.com and start winning and earning points today.
0: As an adult, kids want to know you're listening to them, but they also want to listen to you. When it comes to alcohol, they want to know your expectations and how and why to avoid underage drinking. Talking early and often about it in everyday conversations reinforces your message and keeps lines of communication open. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov.
1: Tickets, official Huntsville Havoc merchandise and more, go to HuntsvilleHavoc.com. Visit our website at ReconHavoc.com, look for us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and listen, follow, and subscribe to the Recon Havoc podcast on your favorite platform to keep up with the only weekly podcast covering the Huntsville Havoc, the Recon Havoc podcast.